don't ever fear failure. Fear of failure is one of the main things that holds people back from experiencing something new, from entering themselves into a community or a trade or something that they want to do. Because failure only leads to growth. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Hey, my fellow Femcanics, I have a favor to ask of you. If you haven't already, please take a moment to rate and write a review for the Femcanic Garage podcast. It's the only way we move our community and podcast to the top of the pile. Andrea Bullard is in the driver's seat today. She is a philanthropist and owner of Off-Road Like a Girl, an apparel and accessory shop. Andrea dives into the purpose and grit her company is all about empowering and fostering confidence in women within male-dominated communities and raise funding for nonprofit women's organizations. Sit back and enjoy the show, Femcanic. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you and I have Andrea Bullard in the driver's seat. How are you doing today, Andrea? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited to have you in the chair. You are the first woman in the chair that's talking exclusively around off-roading topic, partial to it and interested, selfishly interested. Uh, I see a lot of the stuff on Instagram, and it looks like it is a blast. It, it is definitely a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really excited to be um, kind of the first exposure for Femcanic Garage to the off-road world. Um, of course, off-road is so intricately tied to all things automotive and motorsport, but it is definitely its own species. So, And yes, it is uh, exceedingly fun. <laughs> we will dive more into the off-roading, but I want to spend a little bit of time getting to know Andrea. Why don't we start in the beginning? How did you end up getting into this and how long have you been doing it? When I was about, I think, 16, 17, I was exposed to the world of um, the desert in general. I'd been camping a lot as a kid and stuff, but I'd never been exposed to the motorsports portion of that. And me and uh, my boyfriend at the time went out and we took his little 1990 Toyota pickup, nothing done to it whatsoever, bone stock, and um, just went out there and rallied it around the desert for a few hours. And I can basically say that it was intriguing. I was instantly hooked. That's where uh, off-road kind of began for me. And it went from there to dirt bikes and then, you know, more built trucks and then a race truck. And it just uh, kept moving along in a, a variety of ways. But yeah, started um, teenage years, I would say high school years. And then just got hooked to it. Just got hooked. It's addicting. <laughs> it's so addicting. Just that the growth and the feeling of um, being just behind the wheel and the learning something new every time you get behind the wheel is just it's fascinating it's addicting so you said the desert where are you based out of so what desert are we talking about yeah so um the desert the closest place for us to go when we want to you know get our wheels in the dirt so to speak is uh going to be Ocotillo Wells and that is just east of San Diego about an hour and a half 
It sounds like so much fun. My partner bought me a birthday gift a couple years ago, but it got rained out two years in a row because it was raining so heavy. And what it was is a dirt track race experience where I got to drive a dirt, like a dirt race car. No way. That's so cool. And it was, you were just talking about what a rush it is. And I have never, unless you've done it in listeners, if you have an opportunity to race something, I don't care if it's a go-kart, you have to try it at least (laughs) once. I mean, would you agree, Andrea? There's nothing like the rush and the feel that you have when you're out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the sound of motors alone, the smell of the fuel. I mean, every little bit of it just becomes a part of your part of your being (laughs) once you get exposed to it it's um you can't there's no going back i mean granted some people don't like the you know the anxiety that it causes but um i say that anxiety and excitement are the same depending on the thoughts that you're thinking while you're doing it so (laughs) it's very well said now you had mentioned that the boyfriend that you were with at the time is when you first tried and went out to the desert. Were you driving or passenger? And when you say you get out there and you go off-roading, are you driving or are you passenger? So I mean, not, nowadays I, I prefer to drive. Um, I'm a little bit of a control freak when it comes to being um, in the dirt behind the wheel. That a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have a handful of people. I have a handful of people that I will co-drive with that I trust that are good drivers and I will have fun with. Um, but no, I prefer to drive. Uh, back then he was driving the truck the first time that we went out, and he had actually decided that it was time to teach me how to drive stick. I hadn't driven stick before, and like I said, it was a 1990 Toyota pickup truck. Uh, the four speed actually four speed with the eight inch rear end, which are a little bit less common, but, um, yeah, so I got uh, behind the wheel of that. And, you know, once you get past first gear, it's pretty much all downhill from there. Pretty easy. No pun intended, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Although downhill is easier. (laughs) (laughs) What ended up happening next? So that's started the fire in you. What did did you end up doing after you kind of got hooked? It was a long time of doing my own thing. And kind of feeling like I couldn't find, I mean, all pretty much everybody that I rode with were guys. Most of the people that drove when we would go out to desert trips, you know, the women are in the passenger seat and the guys are driving and, and that's fine. And it was fun and it was great. But as I started to kind of meet a few women here and there that were into the same thing, I just had this feeling that something needed to be done about that. Most, mostly just kind of a gathering, a way to bring together women in the industry you know women women as it is in these types of industries have to compete with men i hate to say it but it's true they're you know they're put up against men are you as good as the guy can you do this like the guys do it kind of thing and so there's so much competition um in that sense whether we like to kind of you know pay attention to it or not but i feel like then when you're women in the industry, not only are you competing with the guys, but it almost becomes this like, oh, is she better than me kind of thing. And I picked up on a little bit of that here and there, and it just didn't work for me. And I think just being the minority in the motorsports, off-road motorsports um, community, I just had this feeling that there, there had to be a way to bring women together. I didn't really know what that was, but that it had to happen. <laughs> Didn't want to make an assumption, but even though I kind of was making an assumption, that's the reason why I asked if you were a passenger or driver. There's something empowering about being the driver in those situations, opposed to 
what you what you just shared where a lot of times the women are in the passenger seat. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You have, you know, you have the control of the vehicle. You kind of become a part of that car. You know how it works. It becomes an extension of your body. Um, and you're, you're the one calling shots. Like for, you know, now that I'm so used to driving, um, primarily being the driver, I, you know, will be cruising down the road and, you know, somebody else is driving my car or a passenger with somebody else. It's like this, look at the bump and, oh, like they need to go to the right of that bump. Oh, they need to go left of the, oh, they're going to hit this bump too hard. Oh, they should have taken that turn a little bit faster. To, and it just, get, your head just keeps running. And so once you're driving, I mean, that's, that's kind of just how you think about stuff. And um, yeah, once you get exposed to it like that, it feels out of control to not be in the driver's seat. And it is empowering. I mean, for me, my favorite part of it, honestly, is just when you learn how to do something new and practicing it and practicing it and witnessing and seeing yourself getting better and better. And you can almost feel those neurons firing in your brain as your brain's making these new connections to to kind of guide you as you, you know, as you grow, as you excel in something. And so in off-road, that's a huge that's a huge thing. I mean, I remember the first time that I, <laughs> that I thought it would be a good idea to, you know, swing the back end of the truck out and started drifting sideways down this dirt road. And it was terrifying and amazing, but I realized that I did not have any control over that car whatsoever. And so a huge part of off-road is being in control of an out-of-control situation, if that makes sense. So basically you're sliding and you have no uh, traction whatsoever you're sliding across the dirt, but you know how to pull yourself back out of that. And so that's what I mean by when I say, you know, learning and the empowerment behind you do something like that. You realize that you weren't ready for it and you were scared by it, but it's something that needs to be done in off-roading. They call it backing it in. When you take a turn and you want to actually have your vehicle perpendicular to the track, so to speak, you know, to the road that you're driving on, backing it in, sliding that way, and then straightening back out. And so that's how you can get around corners a lot faster as opposed to actually turning with the corner. You turn sideways and drift through the corner. And so stuff like that, you're, yeah, your brain is so much fun. <laughs> that's awesome. And so your brain starts to pick up on things like that. When I'm listening to you talk about it, it's almost like I'm hearing you say you have to be comfortable with letting go. Oh, absolutely. It almost seems like life lessons in here where you have to be okay and comfortable with not being in control and just let go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let go and then know how to reground yourself when the time comes. Oh, I love it. That's beautiful. Educate me here because I'm, I've been in and around the automotive community since I was little and first exposed to it when I was like six years old. My stepdad would take me to swap meets and let me uh, be up under them and shadow them and clean parts and do all that kind of good stuff. Mm, that's awesome. But I'm not as familiar with like the off-road community. What is it like? Like you, you described where it, there is a community there. Is it, when I say traditional, and you kind of alluded to this, so I'm, I'm not meaning to backpedal, but I'm just, just trying to connect the dots here where... You described typically the men are driving, the female are shotgun. Is that typical of the community or is that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously not always the case. There are a lot of women that get behind the wheel and drive. I mean, more and more and more. It's, it's actually really neat how many more women are getting involved in being in the driver's seat. Um, but 
I think I think that a huge part of it. Andrea, my, my reason for asking that is, is this kind of sets the stage for me trying to understand the company that you started and the organization that you're a part of is, I don't want to say anomalies, but it's getting together a subset group that is not plentiful. And that's what I'm trying to wrap my arms around and understand is, is it common for women to be behind the wheel for off-roading? Is it as uncommon for off-roading as what I observe in like uh, road racing or any of, you know, drag racing? I'm just not as familiar with the community. It, can can you educate me and the listeners around that? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I and I don't honestly have much of experience as far as um, like the the general automotive industry. I mean, other than you know being one of three women in auto shop in college, but I'm sure that it is not much different than the automotive industry, the motorsports industry, um, the mechanics, the fabrication industries. But women are typically not behind the wheel in off-road as much as men are. And I wish I could give some sort of percentage or likelihood, but um, I, I can't. It's, uh, it's hard to, hard to guesstimate, but it's not common. It's not common. I would say that, I don't know, if I had to guess, I would say maybe like one in 10 women throughout the community on average are comfortable and prefer to be behind the wheel um, while driving. Now, like I said, that's, that's getting more and more. And I think thanks to, you know, uh, company like the company that I run empowering women to get behind the wheel and do, you know, do these things and try it for the first time. And I think a lot of it just comes from either the lack of exposure or just the lack of confidence that comes from not being exposed to it. You know, I mean, it's the, it's his car or it's his truck and, you know, he's going to drive his truck, you know, if he lets, the girl drive his truck. Some guys think that's great. And like, oh yeah, you know, that's rad. I would love for you to be able to drive and that would be cool. And some guys are, no, this is my truck. You're my passenger. And so I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how many or how little, but it's not common. Women behind the wheel in the off-road industry is definitely the minority. Got it. That that helps me just understand just because I haven't uh, been a part of the community. I, I wouldn't mind attending an event or two I wouldn't mind doing being a passenger. Majority of the time, I like being in the driver's seat. But to do rock climbing in like a jeep, I would want to be in a the passenger seat. <laughs> but that's something that man, it scared the bejesus out of me. But I think it would be a lot of fun too. When I first kind of got involved in the whole thing, I spent a lot of time in the passenger seat of um, my ex boyfriend's truck and just learning watching what he's doing, watching when he's shifting and why asking why he's shifting, when he's shifting, what speeds to take certain obstacles at, you know, when to slow down, when to brake, when to throttle, kind of watching that and uh, experiencing it first before I felt comfortable to kind of get behind the wheel and give it a try. But I would say as far as like statistics go with women in off-road, off-road is basically, if you think of it as a subset of the automotive world. And the, I would say that the proportions of women to men behind the seat is just about the same proportions as they are in the, you know, mechanics field, the automotive world, you know, any type of racing, really, whether it's mountain bikes or, you know, BMX bikes or go-karts, like you said, um, I would say that it's about the same, the same, uh, relatively speaking. Yeah. And I think the last statistic I saw from uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics for specific role 
is around 2.7%, I believe, or 2.9%. So considering that females make up 50% of the working population, that's an extremely low percentage. Yeah. Do you do off-roading now? I do. I recreationally, of course, always. uh, Dirt biking, there's this great event that I like to go to every year called Babes in the Dirt that is run out of uh, Hungry Valley in Gorman, California. And so that is an all-women's dirt biking event, recreationally, mostly trail riding, hill riding. I used to like to ride the track a lot more, Um, you know, go to Paula and do laps and everything. Since I had kids, uh, the track is a little bit more dangerous than, you know, even if you know what you're doing, the risk that somebody could, you know, cut you off or crash in front of you, it's just not really worth the risk and having to, you know, take care of kids and run a business and work two other jobs and take care of my dad. So <laughs> there's, yes, it's, it's mostly, mostly with dirt bikes, it's trail riding, um, open free riding, we call it, uh, or I call it. And um, trucks, I have a 7S Toyota pickup, 7S is seven stocks. So basic stock suspension um, with shocks and good off-road tires and the full cab cage, bed cage, engine cage. And so that little guy, I take to just local events. We do. Wait, educate me real quick. What do you mean cage? Like roll cage? cage? Yeah, roll cage. So a full like 4130 year Dom seal roll cage. So a variety of tubes through the front to make sure that the engine is placed and connected to the frame directly. Um, well, not, you know what I mean, mounted to the frame, not welded to the frame. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with So you. that the engine is secure, so that the cab is safe for when you roll over, like we do, that you do not get rolled with the truck. And the bed cage to make sure that that stays in place, also connected to the frame, the cab. It's basically one big solid piece of metal. It, it takes a truck that's built up by frame and cab and, you know, truck bed to turning it into one machine. And so it keeps you safe and it also keeps the inner workings of your truck safe so that you don't have to do too much, too much damage control when you crash. <laughs> Got it. Did you have that installed then or you bought it like that? I, the, the 7S that I have, um, one of my trucks, the one that I take, you know, little races and stuff locally here, we bought, it had a cap cage and it had a partial bed cage. And my husband is in fabrication. And so he did the engine cage. He did the rest of the cab cage we're trying to get it to spec which means it has to be caged a certain way with tubes in certain places of a certain size in order to enter the lucas oil off-road um, regional series and so he built which we are not doing yet. we're still in the process of getting that getting that and we've been held up for a while but so he did the cab cage uh, most of the cab cage inside added some tubes and he did the full bed cage with more of a short course racing style which is where you're on a track with a whole bunch of other people racing door to door. Will you be racing that or will he? Oh no, I would I would love to. I would love to be racing that. I would have loved to be racing that 2 years ago. We uh, have been doing a lot of work on our house and uh, got held up by that for the last couple of years. I told him that is on the back burner until the house until the final inspection is over. <laughs> You're getting your adulting on. I totally get it. Yeah, there it is, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna jump into that a little bit because there's there's something that in the Femcanic Garage podcast that we talk about is about being female, and it's it's not about male bashing. So it's not that. We, we love our guys that have mentored us and who are there for us. Um, this is oh, yeah. about the female experience, period. And 
you're a mother of two. What are their names? Um, my oldest, or her oldest, her name is Ella. And then the younger one is two and a half. Her name is Hannah. Full-time mom, wife, business owner, and you also help another company that is about female empowerment. And if I'm correct, you also have a full-time job. Uh, Part-time job. Part-time, sorry, part-time. Everything else was on point, yeah. (laughs) This is not uncommon for a lot of the women that I talk to. And the question that I ask all of them, where we can all learn from each other, what are some secrets that you have to figure this all out to keep operating without becoming an alcoholic? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was going to say wine. I'm not a drinker. (laughs) Yeah, or wine or or, or anxiety or breakdown or how how do you manage it? I I think... I think the best thing that helps me is to be able to let loose, making time for myself and time for myself, time for yourself can mean a number of different things. Some women want to spend a day relaxing, spend a day, you know, go to the spa, get your nails done, get your hair done, refresh yourself, feel new. For me, my recharge is something like the, you know, Babes in the Dirt event that I was talking about earlier, you know, you go ride for two days straight, do nothing but ride and hang out with amazing people and just kick back and get dirty and eat food out of a bag. Um, <laughs> sounds a little crazy, but, but that's, that's my recharge. It sounds amazing. You need to make time for recharge. If you don't make time for recharge, you will lose your mind. I mean, I spend every day between, you know, sitting down, I put the little one down for a nap while the big one's at school. And that's when I can sit down and answer my emails for the rebel, which is what we were talking about earlier. So I work um, part-time as rebel rally competitor liaison. So it's an all women's off-road navigation rally raid, uh, compass map and ruler, 3000 kilometers through the Nevada and California desert. And so that event runs once a year, but throughout the year I run um, registration competitor relations, making sure that they get their questions answered, have everything that they need to prepare to hit the start line. And so the little one's nap time is my time to sit down and crank out about two and a half, three hours of full, full speed email and phone calls. And then throughout the day, filling orders for the company offered like a girl, I usually fill them, get the boxes stacked in the morning. And then when I'm done with my work for the rally, make sure someone's home because the little one's asleep, run to the post office, drop those off. And then with the kids, uh, there's a lot of takeout food, <laughs> a lot of takeout food. I try to try to make it good stuff. I try to every now and then cook a big portion of something that we can stick in the freezer so that it's fresh and homemade. But um, it's definitely hard to keeping, keeping up with it all. My mom um, lives at home. We actually moved into her house, which is where the, the work on the house comes into. So we built her a granny flat, which she's going to be moving into. That was our deal. So she's going to get her new space. We're going to be here. So she helps me out a ton. She's constantly going to the store, grabbing the kids from school, taking them to ballet and everything that they need to do. So that's a huge help. But yeah, I mean, days are busy. And if you don't make time to the Rebel Rally, even though it is work, it's a ton of work when we go every October, I'm gone for about 12 days. But that is a huge recharge for me. I mean, it's two weeks of even though it's work, it's, it's, you're not dealing with some the kids, you know, upset because there's not enough chocolate in their chocolate milk or not getting to school on time or forgetting to fill out some piece of paperwork for school or Hannah not wanting to take a bath and, you know, having to battle her into the bathtub. And so that's a huge 
part of my recharge is uh, going on the rebel every year. Definitely. I have a question for you, Andrea. In it just made me think about it when you're talking about this, and I, I want to get your take on it. My partner and I have been talking a lot about, okay, what are some suggestions and ideas that we could offer to these organizations to figure out, you know, how do, how do we make conferences, how do we make events more female-friendly? Because right, wrong, or indifferent, the reality is, is if a husband says they have a business trip and that's shared, uh, it's assumed for the most part, not 100% of the time, because if you have a single dad, but the majority of the time, it's assumed the wife takes care of it. Yes. Right? Do you agree with that? or? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, no. Always always in charge of organizing, you know, babysitting here or there. I mean, pretty much in charge of everything. And that's a different for every household. Everybody's got their, uh, yes. their different setup. But no, the majority of the time, for sure. And I mean, some people might tag that to genetic, you know, well, children, you know, attached to mothers more because, you know, they birth them and they breastfeed them and they're just closer with them in general. But a huge part of it is just the social, the social belief that women are, are genetically wired to be the primary caretakers, which it has some truth to it. But at the same time, I mean, it's, if I, you know, go out of town, I need to line up this, that, and the other, the amount of work that it takes for me to go on the rally just setting everything up. I'm going to have to make sure all the lunches are packed every day. I'm going well, to make sure. This is kind of where I want to go with it. Yeah. This okay. is kind of where I want to go with it. Right. Is it, one of the ideas that um, we, we kicked around and we're like, you know, Hey, at these conferences and events, the event organizers or um, conference organizers should have a uh, childcare facility. And I, I thought about that, and she and I kind of went back and forth on this, and I'm like, but guys don't have to worry about that. Like, it's a recharge time for them because it's a break from the kids. So why shouldn't women have that same benefit of getting a break from the kids? Oh, yeah, no, it's, now, it's not fair. Do you, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just an getting your take. Do you, do you think it, it's... It would be more beneficial if the organization sponsors or um, coordinators of events had childcare ready for the women, or do you think in- indirectly they're doing the women a favor by force, kind of forcing the women to find the babysitter, which enable enables them to get to the conference to actually get a break, or maybe. The opposite is, is they're not able to go because they don't, I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth on it, but I was just curious to get your take as a mother. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, let's say you have to go to a conference as a woman and you're the primary caretaker for your kids. If there is a dad in the picture, I think that providing childcare could pull away from that. Like, oh, okay, well now he doesn't have to worry about it. But when he goes on a conference, guess who's full-time caretaker, you know? And so it's, it might force him, you would think it would force him the opportunity to step in and play that role. Um, now, for women that don't have an option for childcare that end up with kids, you know, by themselves as a single mom, um, that, I mean, that would make a huge difference to be able to go, go to a conference and know that childcare is provided to be able to 
follow your dreams and do what you want to do, knowing that this taken care of and you don't have to worry about it would be phenomenal. And so I feel like having the opportunity there, I mean, if, if women aren't going to, you know, put their feet down and say, you know, you're, you know, you're staying home with the kids, that's, that's always going to be the way it is. If they don't have the, the strength to, to say that or do that. But I mean, providing childcare for, for women in general, when they have to go do events like that is a fantastic idea. I mean, it hold it holds women back so, so much that they can't be there without having to think about all that. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And sorry, what I was saying was that if, you know, the, the case that, oh yeah, well, it might force men to step in, but it, you know, it doesn't always. And sometimes that's not even possible. Sometimes there's not a father in the picture or another partner in the picture, you know, whatever the situation is that, you know, I mean, the childcare would be a plus, I think, any any direction you want to go with it, no matter how you frame it. I, there are the male listeners to this podcast, and my hopes are that the men, when they listen to this podcast and other podcasts, is that, one, I hope they don't get defensive. Two, this is a perspective, right? Th- this really does happen, and maybe it opens eyes to have compassion and understanding of the female's point of view and experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, men, men have been, I'll tell you, men have been some of our biggest supporters as far as my company goes, as far as the rebel goes and professionally through, through my career and the things that I'm planning on doing and the things that I have done, they've been some of my hugest supporters. My husband has been wonderful with the kids. I have to go away on the rebel. Yeah. I set everything up and I help them out, but it's been wonderful, but that's not, when we're talking about the perspective of women and how they feel as far as being, you know, the primary person in charge, like it's your responsibility to be with the kids. That's, that's what it's like. And it's not, it, we're not saying, Oh, you're a bad guy because you're not stepping in. It's so much of it is sociocultural and it's just the way that our society has functioned and a lot of other societies across the world. I mean, we have it good here compared to a lot of other places, but it, that's just the situation. We're not trying to say, you know, oh, you're a bad guy or you're, you know, oh, you're not, you know, stepping in and doing this, like it's wrong and you're bad. It's just, it, it needs to change in my opinion, but no, I would never come out. And it's going to take, it's going to take both men and women together Oh, absolutely. to start moving the needle and making the switch. Absolutely. I want to spend some time and start diving into your company Go, you had mentioned it briefly, the name of it, but can you uh, share with the listeners the name of the company and what the company is all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the company name is Off-Road Like a Girl. You know, growing up, oh, you like a girl, you ride like a girl, you hit like a girl, whatever. Off-Road Like a Girl. And I, I tell people this all the time, but I've never been completely in love with the name of the company just because the purpose and our mission and the logo and everything, it applies to so much more than Off-Road Motorsports. Off-Road is my niche. It's something that I found that I love, but the company itself is applicable to so many different industries and women in lots of different communities. So I've never been a big fan of the company name, but it wasn't trademarked yet and I liked it. So voila. (laughs) So the company is primarily a clothing company, hats, decals, accessories, apparel with basically very simple designs and it's the kind of trail sign design where it says you know no dog walking or no motorcycles or you know yes hiking whatever but it's 
silhouettes of women doing a variety of different off-road activities. So everything from riding quads to riding dirt bikes to, you know, driving Jeeps to driving trucks. Uh, we have our basic logo design that we use, but very simple designs. And it says like a girl underneath it. So basically, you know, as in culture, in certain cultures, when, when phrases or words are coined to insult people or to bring people down, a lot of the times people will recapture and reframe and create that thing. And so for me, I'd like a girl, off-road like a girl, drive like a girl, whatever you want to call it, is a way to say, yes, I do drive like a girl. I have female parts. It's kind of inevitable, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference what, what parts I have, which gender I identify with it because I do this because I love it. I love your concept. I love it. And the repositioning of it is so empowering. Talk a little bit about the logo because you took some time to explain it in the pre-interview form and its simplicity. Yeah, so it, it is it is a very, very basic symbol, but it has a lot of power behind it, in my opinion. It is the traditional Venus symbol for women. So the circle with the cross that comes out of the bottom of it, except the perpendicular part of the cross that crosses through the line that comes down is a wrench instead of a simple line. And so it's the traditional symbol for women that we took and threw a wrench in it. And so for, for two different reasons, really, I mean, for a few reasons, but two reasons, wrench, super basic mechanical tool um, used in pretty much any off-road automotive mechanic industry or situation. And it represents the hands-on work. It represents the ability to get in there and fix something or change something or create something. So, I mean, that's that's part of the reason why we put the wrench in there, obviously, just for, you know, the industry purpose. And then it also metaphorically for me, taking something, taking a concept, the concept of women and throwing a wrench in it and interrupting what women are traditionally thought to do and be and act and say and throwing a wrench in it, which opens the doors for women to do and be whatever it is that they decide they are. I love it. When I read that, I'm like, that's absolutely ingenious. <laughs> and hearing you talk about it uh, is inspiring. As a woman, I don't know how you can listen to that and just uh, want to sit on your hands, so to speak. <laughs> I sketched it on the back of a, a server book that I was using at the restaurant one day a few years ago. It happened to stick with me. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your proudest career accomplishment. This is another thing. Uh, if you're a listener out there and you get a chance to be a featured guest on here, you'll be able to fill out a pre-interview form where I asked some questions. And, Andrea, you shared with me how you actually enjoyed filling this out, which I appreciate because some people rush through it. I have all my potential featured guests fill this out because it's a weeding out thing, but it's also... If I spend six hours working on something for someone to fill out a form, I figured it gives me an opportunity to get to know them. But you shared your career accomplishment on here. Do you, do you recall it, what you shared with me? I, I do. I'm, I'm More than likely, it's probably a combination of the donations collected and the community created. You are dead on. Okay. Do you mind 
chatting with the community about that a little bit? Share with that. Share with them what this is. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll start with the donations part because the donations part is was one of the main driving factor, other than gathering women of um, you know off road and motorsports and automotive communities and trying to give them a symbol that they can all identify with that comes becomes the symbol for women in those communities. Um, it's powerful. It's strong. It's it's everything that we need as women to bind together and become something greater than just ourselves. But the donations have been a huge part of why I've done what I've done. And so I actually take 25% of all profits made. So not of sales, you know, you sell something for $20, it's going to be you know, a full $5, but the profit. So the difference between what it costs me to make the item and then how much somebody else is paying for it, 25% of that profit gets donated to whichever organization it's dedicated to. So each each item is clumped under different organizations. And these are nonprofit women's organizations. Um, some examples are the Women's Sports Foundation. They provide scholarships and programs for young women to get involved in sports across the country. There's the International Women's Health Coalition, which works toward um, freeing up a lot of the freeing up a lot of the inequalities across the world. Um, they deal with a lot of mm-hmm. situations in Africa with um, genitalia mutilation, uh, things that we don't like to talk about, but they go in there and they work with the communities to try to make it a better place. Um, International Women's Health Coalition goes in and does a number of checkups and helps um, women across the world just live healthier and happier, the care that they need that they're not provided by their government. Another one would be the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence works for programs for survivors of domestic violence. Um, The Polaris Project works to expunge and put a dent in human trafficking across the world. So those are that's just a handful of them. There, there are so many more. Um, but we basically donate 25% of our profits to any one of those given organizations, depending on which product is purchased. I mean, there is a, a long list on here. And you also mentioned in the pre-interview form that you've become connected with a number of transgender women and men and other individuals whom identify within the LGBTQI community. I, I mean, very well-rounded. What I respect about your company and what you're doing is that you're not afraid to tackle and show support on topics that people are just uncomfortable and tr- talking about or avoid altogether. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, those are, those are touchy sh- subjects for people, sometimes for people within those communities. And then a lot of the times for people that don't understand those communities and then therefore fear them. And so to me, it does nobody any good, ever to judge somebody by how they identify, what they look like, what race they are, what religion they are, whatever it is. Diversity is beautiful and it deserves to be celebrated. The company is not, like I said, it's not, it is directed toward women, of course, but there's so many, I mean, we had all of the guys a couple of years ago at the King Shock booth at one of our events wearing our sweatshirts because they just thought it was awesome. And they told me that they went to a restaurant afterwards and their waitress made some comment about you know, driving like a girl and apparently they put her in her place, <laughs> like made some negative comment to them about their sweatshirts, you know, referring to their um, unmasculinity because they were wearing these sweatshirts and uh, no, they've been, they've been huge supporters. And so it's, it's for everybody. And I, I think it's really important to have stuff out there um, that applies to everybody. 
there, yeah, I've, I mean, I've met a number of trans, transgender men and women, um, or women, you know, people that identify as, um, uh, ambiguous as far as gender goes. And I mean, who, who cares? I mean, we can you know, care in a good way, care, be interested, ask, be curious, be respectful. Yeah. But I mean, to make it be a negative impression just because of who they are and how they are. And I mean, what good does that do anybody? It doesn't. Very well said. And it needs to be talked about. I mean, it needs to be talked about. People just back off of stuff like that, just like they do politics and religion and everything else, because they don't like confrontation. But what people don't realize is that the confrontation comes from a lack of willingness to understand the other side. And when you open up something called argumentation, which is not arguing, but argumentation, it allows the opportunity for both sides to express how they feel and what their point of view is. And the goal of it is to bring both sides to a higher understanding than neither of them had before. And so that is so crucial to growth as an individual, growth as a community, growth as a species. I, I love what you're saying about. here, and it's so true. And it's actually one of the things that has drawn me to the automotive motorsports industry as a whole is that there is a community. And when you think about that community historically, um, there are stereotypes around that community. And the stereotype is not of women. It's not of women of color. It's not of women, period. There's stereotypes around it where it's typically the white man. And what I love about the automotive industry is that it gives us a common topic to relate to one another and to talk about and realize that we're more alike than different. And sometimes just being able to talk about that one common thing about your car, about what you have in your car, about your what engine you have or what roll cage you have, it's enough to kickstart that conversation to open it up for people to realize we're not different. We are way more alike than what we are different. And that's what fascinates me about this community is that I, I feel like it it has an opportunity to bridge gaps between people that otherwise couldn't find a common ground to start a conversation to get to know each other. Absolutely. I mean, people people from completely different backgrounds that look different, that talk different, that are different, are drawn together by a common passion that allows them to connect. You talk about... And that's the same with the off-road world. Yeah. You talk about Turkey. In your pre-interview form as well, can can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Turkey. So when I first started the company back in 2016, I had a, actually a gentleman reach out to me from Texas who had friends over in Turkey who were interested in what I was doing and what the company was all about and wanted to get involved somehow. <clears throat> so I didn't know this at the time, but it's a group of women that travel around Turkey and race in a variety of different off-road competitions. And so they reached out to me wondering how they can get involved, what they can do. And I do do international sales, but that's not what they were looking for. They were looking for a different way to try to become a part of that community. And so began Kids Gibby Off-Road, which is basically a Turkish translation for Off-Road Like a Girl. I made them their own logo with the Turkish flag in the background, and they use that logo now in their competitions. And so they are 
our only international chapter. Now, I've sponsored a number of women and supported a number of groups internationally, but they're the only international chapter, I like to say, basically a race team that races under the company name and um, supports what we're doing. The cool thing, I don't even know if you want to call it cool, whatever you want to call it, women in Turkey and in a lot of the countries in that part of the world are definitely the minority as far as social rights go, political rights go, uh, human rights go. And so these women racing in Turkey here in the U.S., it's, you know, you talk talk about women or you talk to a woman that races and it's cool and it's fun and it's great, but it's not dangerous. It's not socially dangerous. It's not politically dangerous. And over there, it's a big deal for young women to go to school, not in Turkey per se, but in that part of the world. And it's a big deal for them to go to school. It's a big deal for them to learn to read and write, to drive a car was just passed in, I believe it was Saudi Arabia a number of years ago that women are now allowed to drive. So these women, not only driving cars and doing their thing without apology, are competing in off-road events against men in their community and in their country. And I mean, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's amazing. And it's wonderful and it's empowering, but they're just incredible. And I would give anything to get on a flight and head over to Cartepe and hang out with them for a few weeks. <laughs> I, I hope you get to do that at some point, Andrea, because you've definitely earned that. And I bet you they would just be going nuts if if you can arrange that. Oh, I would. Yeah, I would love to go over there. And I've, I've heard that Turkey can be an interesting experience as an American, but I've never backed down from one of those before. <laughs> that does not surprise me. I think that's awesome. So what next for Andrea? And, and I just briefly, well, let me, let me back up. You also help, and you mentioned in passing uh, another company that you help with in I know I'm trying to coordinate and work out an interview for the owner of that as well. But if you want to mention the name of that company, you mentioned it briefly in passing. But if you just quick summary of it. Yeah. So, yeah, the company you're referring to is called Rebel Rally. And Rebel is a combination of two words. Rebel, obviously, to um, defy, you know, defy expectations to, you know, break out and rebel. And um, Belle is French for beautiful woman. So uh, Rebel stands for a beautiful woman that defies expectations. I think that there is a better version of that on the website that is said much more elegantly, but that's the concept. And so the Rebel Rally is, it, like I said, it's an all-women's off-road, so driving off-road, street-legal vehicles only. You're not bringing a race truck. You're not taking your trophy truck up from Baja and bringing it over to us and competing in it. There's street legal vehicles and four-wheel drive and also all-wheel drive vehicles. So we have our four-wheel drive class and our all-wheel drive class. And so those are crossovers. Um, CRVs, uh, you could pretty much bring anything that's all-wheel drive and has the clearance to be able to drive in the dirt. It starts up in the Reno Tahoe area and ends down in San Diego. The course is always confidential, but runs through the Nevada and California desert. It's 3,000 kilometers, about 1,500 miles, and it is compass, map, and ruler navigation only. These women are not allowed to bring cell phones. Well, they bring them, but we wrap them up and we seal them so they can't use them. Cell phones, GPS, they can't even have a a device on their car that displays average speed. Like they can use rally computers, but it's very, very, very minimalistic. And so they use dead reckoning navigation to navigate to 
blue, green, and black checkpoints. The green ones are the mandatory ones. The blue ones and the black ones are optional. And it is not a race for speed, but a very coordinated time time management and gas management and, you know, figuring, oh, do we have time to get to this checkpoint or that checkpoint? It's very strategic, so to speak. So it's definitely not a race, but you're finding these points in the middle of the desert and we set up these big base camps at night where everybody meets and has food, delicious food cooked by a celebrity chef, Drew Deckman, who is amazing. And um, it's just the community there. It has been incredible. And I sponsored last year something called the Team Spirit Award, which is voted for and awarded $5,000 to the nonprofit organization of the team's choice. So everybody votes for the team that they think deserves the Team Spirit Award that displays the best team spirit. And so I sponsored that as Offered Like a Girl last year, which was great because I love donating to nonprofits. That's a huge part of the reason we've donated a lot of money since our inception to nonprofit organizations which has been very rewarding. But um, actually, one of the teams that won the Team Spirit Award last year took that money and started their own nonprofit organization to try to bring in, well, not try to, they're doing it, bringing in uh, veterans and disabled veterans into the rebel. And so sponsoring teams to come to the rebel that have been through a lot and need to come do something empowering and amazing together. So they actually started an organization. They're coming back. Their name is Record the Journey. and headed by uh, Rachel Radnauer and she's amazing and I've told you way too much <laughs> I've, I've, I've given you more than you needed I apologize no that <laughs> but I love it don't apologize <laughs> that is amazing information wow I'm just taking that in rulers how do they how do you shut off GPS all the like newer cars have it built in oh they get security tapes so you can either go well there's two ways there's a few ways you can go to the dealer and actually have them kind of unhook it, so to speak, so that it's not working. Or if that is not an option, we use untamperable security tape that actually gets taped over the part that displays the average speed and allows GPS abilities. So that is all closed up. That is awesome. And then my final question is, I don't want to assume, but only women are in this rally? Yeah, well, it's an all, yeah, competitors are women only. So it's two women to a team. There's a driver and a navigator. Some competitors prefer to switch off. Um, I'll drive part of the time, you navigate, and then we'll switch and do it this way. But most of the time, it's a one driver and one navigator. And yes, all women. Our staff is comprised of a lot of men who have been amazing. Our course, course, uh, the guy that builds our course every year helps Emily build the course. Uh, Jimmy Lewis, he's a renowned uh, motorcycle racer, uh, dirt bike racer. And um, he, yeah, a lot of the staff are men. They're really awesome. But yes, comp- competition is women only. And wow, that's, that's amazing. And wow. And what do you do? What do you do for them? I work, so you're, you're, I'm one of a handful of people that work on the event year round. And so my job title is as competitor liaison. So basically, let's say you decide, oh, I kind of want to do this. I'm going to look into it. I'm the person that answers your questions, provides you the documentation that you need, downloads that you need to read over and learn about FAQs. Everything through you finally signing up and registering to invoicing to paying to getting your official registration notice and all of your welcome packages. I do a lot of the hats and apparel for the company as well. Um, And then during the rally itself, I work on 
base camp operations and logistics. So we set up these huge, extravagant, amazing base camps. It's basically a giant tent that has an insanely beautiful like gala party inside every night. So big round tables, um, chairs around all the tables and decorations and the whole bit. And um, we're in charge of getting the water truck and the gas truck and everything from A to B and making sure everything moves down the road, setting up and tearing down and trying to make sure it all runs smoothly. Well, I tell you what, Andrea, why don't we launch into the red line round? It's five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Whatever pops into your head first is the right answer. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Fire up. (laughs) Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Oh, my kids. Definitely my kids. I think just because I want them to grow up in a world that is open to them being and doing whatever they want to do without discrimination. I I have to say something. I I love hearing that. I I think that's so (laughs) cool. I'm trying to think if anyone's ever said that. Normally it's someone in their past (laughs) that has motivated them, but it makes perfect sense. And to be honest, I, I said it in previous just thank you episode where I talk about my daughter and my son, but this focus of Femme Cabinet Garage is women. I want my daughter to know that she can be and do anything she wants. But for me, it's, it's going even further where I want it to be a safe environment for her to do that. And I'm exactly as I'm interviewing women what I'm starting to realize is more and more women getting into these industries and trades, but they don't necessarily have what I would call a safe environment. Yes. No, agreed. There's a lot of, I mean, especially like going back to what I was saying about, it's just, it's not, you know, yeah, it's great and it's cool, but there's always going to be somebody that wants to bring you down in the case of Turkey, you know, persecute you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where do you go? Or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? Oh, um, definitely my friends and my coworker, my coworker with the Rebel, she runs our media. She's wonderful. And a lot of the times when I get stuck on something or need help with something, just for emotional support, I'll go to her. Gosh, who else? You know what? I Google. <laughs> Google when I get stuck on something. I don't, yeah, I mean, I it, dep- it depends on what I'm working on, but I don't know. I've got a lot of my screen printers are wonderful when I have questions about, you know, how we could do this or do that. They're really helpful. I have sticker printing people that do a wonderful job that it can always help me figure out, you know, the next project or how to go about it. But I've pretty much taught myself um, how to use Illustrator and how to fill out order sheets. And social media has been kind of brought to me from working with the Rebel when to post things, the kind of content that people want to see. Um, I feel like it's been mostly self-learned. I mean, I saw this, <laughs> I saw this meme the other day on Instagram that was a picture of a bird. I think it's a pigeon standing in front of one of those mirrors, those folding mirrors, and you get in it, and then it looks like there's like 20 of you, but it's just you standing there. And the caption at the bottom was me at a company meeting. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how I feel. (laughs) I feel like that pigeon. I'm trying to tell all the different parts of myself, all the things that we need to get done. That's awesome. (laughs) But no, I definitely, I have a lot of different support, um, you know, from a variety of people in my life that have 
been super helpful for me throughout the journey. What excites you most about what you do? The donations. Again, uh, every time, every time I get an order or come back from an event and I'm going through the profits on the money, being able to section those off and put them in a special account for donation and being able to go onto these websites. Everybody wants to be able to donate to nonprofits, but how often do we sit down and go, I want to give $50 to the International Women's Health Coalition. We just, people don't do it. It's not part of the daily lives. And so being able to allow people to buy something cool, feel empowered by the designs that it has, rock it, wear it, feel good about wearing it, and then also to be able to allow them to put into these organizations that are making such a huge positive impact across the world. Um, being able to click that donate button, knowing that everybody has, everybody that supported us has helped us get to where we are and to be able to provide support for those organizations is definitely the most exciting part about it. That and being like 80 miles an hour in a race truck in the middle Ooh, of the I desert, feel that. but that's just a plus. <laughs> and I don't think I asked this, is your company technically a nonprofit or a for-profit? It is a for-profit. And then you donate. So we're not 501c3. We just donate through, yeah. We just donate through the company. And it, it's hard. I think one of the the biggest challenges for me is just financially. I mean, donating a quarter of your profits definitely puts a, puts a dent in your income as far as being able to keep things going. So the cycle that we pretty much have going, or that I pretty much am so used to using we, like it's this like um, dynamic entity. It's just me. But the the cycle is, you know, sell something, profit, donate, take the profit, re reallocate uh, it back into having more product made. So it's definitely not a bill payer, but it's def- it's uh, it's it runs itself. <laughs> That's great. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in this industry when you feel stuck, unsupported or discouraged? A personal habit. A uh, personal habit. Uh, I would say that OCD really helps a lot <laughs> as far as being able to keep everything in order and be organized and make sure that I've got all my ducks in a row to make everything run the way that it's supposed to run. But no, I think that um, I think that my ability to connect with people has definitely been a huge plus for the company. Um, I get caught up sometimes at events talking to people that I, you know, I'm not paying attention to making sales, but just making connections with people and, um, you know, seeing people, oh, this, this makes, you know, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, how did you get started? And I love this. And I love seeing other women out here doing this. And, you know, I love this shirt or, oh, you donate. Oh, that's so cool. Just like that whole thing and making that connection with people. I don't know if that's a personal habit, but the habit of being extremely social and talking entirely too much as you now witnessed. Um, has definitely helped me to, you know, get through the, you know, being able to communicate and be communicative with other people has been a huge benefit to the company because it gives you, it gives you insight. It gives you knowledge into what people want, what people like. And it also just provides that community, that group of people. I've met so many amazing women. I mean, and, you know, donating to events and, you know, Canadians women, Canadian Women's Motocross and um, AMA District 38. I donate to the Lyme Ride every year to prevent Lyme disease. And just that's what that communication and that openness, that habit of mine to pick people's brains and get to know people has, has given me opportunities to be a part of so many amazing things. So I don't know if that's a habit, but that's my answer. <laughs> and Andrea, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades or motorsports industry? Oh, 
my parting advice. I would say... Let me reposition this a little bit. That's okay. There's so much to say and try yeah. to make it simple. <laughs> if you could boil down to a few sentences that you would tell your daughters. I would tell them to not fear failure. Because fear the fear of failure is one of the main things that holds people back from experiencing something new, from entering themselves into a community or a trade or something that they want to do. Because failure only leads to growth. Mistakes, we don't, we don't learn from. When we do things that are great and they work out wonderful and they're fantastic, they're great, but you don't learn anything from it necessarily. You know, mistakes, not being afraid to make mistakes, not being afraid to fail at something or another. You know, if you never tried it, maybe you're not good at it now. You know you're not good at it. Now you can move on to something better with a better knowledge of who you are and what you want to do. And so don't ever fear failure because it's just going to make you stronger. Love it. Andrea, where and how can people connect with you and Off-Road Like a Girl? Yeah, so um, Off-Road Like a Girl is on all the appropriate social media channels. <laughs> so we've got the Instagram is uh, at Off-Road Like a Girl, just all lowercase, no spaces, no dashes or anything. Uh, website is uh, offroadlikeagirl.com. Um, that is where you can find our donations page, the different organizations that we work with to support. You can find our online store where you can buy products, hats, decals, patches, whatever it is your heart desires. We always throw in a couple extra little goodies with every package too, and a little note that tells you which product, um, which organization your purchase has been allocated to. We are Facebook offered like a girl and the email and everything and contact form is listed on the website. Andrea, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and learning about the off-road community. I was super excited to to understand and learn more about it. And you've been a a great leader and mentor. Oh, thank you. No, thank you for having me on. And like I said before, I've never really, I think my life is so busy between working the restaurant, running the company, working for the rally, you know, parenting children and taking care of my dad and working on, I mean, just life as we know it is, um, is so busy that I never take the time. I've never taken the time to really sit down and think about, why, how, where, when I do what I do with the company. And so it was a really great opportunity for me to sit back and just kind of get some perspective and chunk up, as we call it in um, uh, psychological terms, but chunk up to the big picture of what I'm doing and why. And I think it's important too to tell, you know, I pretty much let anybody that wants to use the logo. I mean, it's empowering. I'm not, I'm not a, a trademark. Uh, I'm not uptight about trademark. Yes, it's trademarked. Of course it's trademarked, but you know, you want to rep it, you want to put it on your race truck, you want to make stickers out of it, you want to, you know, put it on your water bottle, whatever you want to do, you can have it. But I think it's important that people understand the backstory behind it, what it is, why it is what it is, and what it means. And so I'm glad that I had the opportunity to share where I came from, where the company originated. I think that's really important to do. So thank you for giving that opportunity and kind of forcing me to sit down and do a little bit of reflection. I think it was, I know it was good for me and good for the company. My honor. My name is Andrea Bullard. I own and run Offroad Like a Girl, and I am a fun mechanic. Be sure to tune in to the next episode with Olivia Cook.
She shares her journey and experience as a seasoned automotive and offshore racing boat painter. Some of the boats this badass woman painted has been featured in magazines. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?